in experiential knowledge. And so when I notice myself getting worried about finances or getting worried about this or getting worried about that, this is now the area that God wants to work in my life because here it says that I have everything that I need for life in Christ. That there is in Jesus an inexhaustible well of wisdom on how I ought to live if I am willing to dwell there. You're at a party. There's so much conversation going on around you that it's hard to focus on or even hear the person right in front of you. Well, the same thing happens in your mind every day. God's still small voice can be hard to make out over the noise of life. Today, Pastor Daniel begins a new series in 2 Peter to help you discern the truth of God from the lies of the world. Among these is the lie that you don't have what it takes to follow God. Well, let's join Pastor Daniel in 2 Peter chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Truth About Fruitfulness. So it must have been about nine or ten months ago. It was in the late spring, early summer, and I was about to go on family vacation with Lynn, and I was struggling. I wasn't struggling with Crossroads. I wasn't struggling with my faith, but I was felt like I was hitting a wall. And I remember going on vacation, and I remember telling Lynn, you know, I really need this break. I need it bad. And I wasn't quite sure why. And so, sure enough, we get to where we were going, you know, and I just began to sit and seek the Lord. And what I realized very, very quickly is that I was struggling, and I think what I was struggling with is something that all of us are feeling the effects of right now. And that's the fact that we are perpetually distracted. We are bombarded every single day. I mean, you have a smartphone, the notifications are going off. You're constantly opening up social media and looking at that. And of course, social media, they weren't content just to be us being social because now they became news you know, and all these different things. And what I found was that I'd go to my computer to work and then there's how many email addresses that you have and how many things that you need to check on. And then all of a sudden you're like this thing and this thing. And what I realized was that my world was so full of noise that I was feeling like I couldn't even think anymore. It was like every time I did anything that was, you're bombarded by a million ideas and so many distractions. And then, you know, of course I like to read the news, but then, you know, you read the news and a pop-up start popping up and you get down to the end of your article and then there's all these links to all these articles and there's all these things. And before you know it, you're just kind of like, and I was feeling that, you know, and, I'm, and you guys know, I'm not like a technologically regressive person. I love technology. But what I realized was that in the midst of all the noise, I was having a hard time discerning the still small voice of God. I use the example that like, it's almost like an old school radio. Remember you guys when you had radios when you would just turn the dial? For you kids, there was a time you had these little knobs and you turn them, and now you just press the seek button if you're on the radio and it goes right to what, something. That, but there was a time you'd turn the knob and there was, it'd be static and then all of a sudden you'd get some signal. See, in a lot of ways in our culture, it's like 
every time you turn the knob, everything is super clear and super loud. And then there's this still small voice of God. And God wants to speak to us. But in the frantic, relentless, we're constantly finding all the stuff. It's like we have to sift through all the noise to figure out what's real. And I think what goes on is that because the noise is so clear, we start to lose the fact that Jesus is real in the midst of it. One of my older sisters was, she went to the doctor and she had high blood pressure. And the doctor, you know, talked to her about it. And so she stopped watching the news in the morning and her blood pressure went down. It's the only change she made. Just stop watching the news. And sort of like in preparing for this message this morning, I got up and I opened up my computer and I looked at the news. I looked at Fox News, CNN, BBC News. And it was amazing how instantly jarred I was, right? With how upset everybody is about everything. And I'm like, this is why I'm doing this series. This is why. Because what I see going on in the world is that the body of Christ is starting to struggle because there's so much noise that we can't grab hold of the truth anymore. It's like we have a moment of truth and then we run away to the next thing that we're clicking on. And I'm not saying that we should abandon the media. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying we need to learn how to distinguish what is true and real from what is false and what is temporal. And so I'm excited to begin a series today that we're calling Truth and Lies. And we're going to do that by looking at the book of 2 Peter. So I want you to open up your Bibles, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 1 to 11. 2 Peter 1, verses 1 to 11. Now, if you're new to the Bible, of course, if you have a smartphone, just pull it out, type in 2 Peter 1, and you'll get it. But if you're new to the Bible, 2 Peter is at the, towards the very, very end of the New Testament. So if you open up the back of your Bible, you get the book of Revelation. Before that, you get the book of Jude. Then you get 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John. And then 2 Peter. It says between 1st Peter and 1st John, 2nd Peter. And I want to read to you our whole text. There's a lot in this. But there's some truths that we really need to get at together in this text. It says this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lusts. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed 
from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Powerful text, huh? So I want you to notice first, all of these letters begin with who wrote it and who it's being written to in a greeting. So we notice that this letter was written by Simon Peter. Simon Peter was one of the 12 disciples, brother of Andrew. He wrote First and Second Peter. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And church history tells us that Mark's gospel, who scholars would say was the earliest penned gospel, was written by John Mark from Peter's account. But what's interesting is Peter calls himself, he gives himself two titles in verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, I think this is important because in a lot of ways the word order here is important. We live in a day and age where everyone likes to be active, right? That word apostle means one who is sent, one who is sent on a mission. But before someone can be sent by God, we first need to be servants of God. So long before Peter can be someone who is sent by Jesus into the world, first you have to be willing to be a servant of God. Now you want to talk truth and lies for a second? Our culture says that everybody exists to serve what you want. And the Bible teaches that you exist to serve the Lord and then to serve the needs of everybody around you. You want to talk about struggle in this day and age? Is that for most of us, we live our lives aggravated that everyone doesn't exist to serve our purposes. But the lie is, is they weren't created to serve your purpose. They were created to serve God's purpose. And you were created to serve God's purpose. See, All of us need to say, Lord, I want to be your servant. But isn't that weird to say? I mean, when was the last time? I just want to be someone's servant today. Like in your marriage, like in your family, I just want to serve you. Just wake up in the morning, what do you want to do today? I just want to serve somebody. You were created by God to serve him and be his hands and feet in the world. And in order to be one who is sent, an apostle. Now, Peter was uniquely an apostle because he was one of the 12. But all of us are called to be sent by God. But before you can be sent, you have to be willing to be a servant first. And honestly, servanthood, Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. But I think for most of us, we think all these things are beneath us, which completely misses what God wants to do in all of our lives. If Jesus was willing to die on a cross... He was willing to wash his disciples' feet. Is there anything that is truly beneath us? I don't think so. But our world tells us something different. And unfortunately, many of us are buying that. But if you want to be sent, first you need to be a servant. Now he's writing this. He says, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's writing to everyone who has obtained or received The same faith with the apostles, which is the righteousness of God. Now, let me explain this to you, because for me, this is Christianity 101, and it's not like an entry-level course. Every single day, we're constantly being reminded of what the good news of Jesus is. And the good news of Jesus is that God is right. That's what righteous means. Everything God does is right. Everything Jesus does is right, and everything that we do isn't always right, and Jesus is going to share his perfection with us. That's the good news. That's why I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus because I realize I never get it all right, but I trust in the one who did, and he wants to share that with me. That's what he's done. The apostle Paul says it this way. 
that God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, Jesus has shared his righteousness with us. And that's a precious thing. And faith is that we've received that. We've believed in that. Now, from there, he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Right? And this is common. Almost all the epistles have this grace and peace. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is the fact that God has given all of us an undeserved gift. And because of God's grace, now we have peace. We have peace with God. Our relationship was broken, and now all of a sudden God has made us to be friends, and then we get the peace of God. God's overarching peace lays on our life because of God's grace. Again, word order is important. Without grace, there really is no peace. So grace comes in the peace, and it gets multiplied to us. And then it says this, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, that word knowledge there, this is the key the main theme of Second Peter. It's the Greek word epigonosko. So you can't say I didn't learn anything in church today. Okay. That word epigonosko literally means a full knowledge, an experiential knowledge, not just head knowledge, but epigonosko is literally a word that means I have experienced and I've learned from experience what this means. And this word epigonosko and its derivatives, whether it's a noun or a verb, happens 11 times over three chapters. So this idea of knowledge, that's why I've called this series Truth and Lies, Because God wants us all to live in a full experiential knowledge of who he is. So grace and peace is multiplied to us. Now, notice what it says in verse 3. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So I think that we learn here something very, very important is that you have all that you need. In Jesus, you and I have all that you need. Now, notice what I'm saying here, that we have obtained, we've been shared this precious faith, and we have this grace and knowledge because of who Jesus is. And now it says in verse 3, As his divine power, the power of God has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, what does all mean? See, this is what I love about the Bible. This isn't complicated stuff, but it's simple, but it's not simplistic. This is some deep stuff. See, it says that in Christ, because of who Jesus is, because of his righteousness and his grace, and that he shared this stuff with us, he has given us by his divine power all things that pertain to life and godliness. So life is what you need in order to succeed and to do well at this life, but then godliness is to live life in a way that God would have you live. And in Christ, you have everything you need. Now, do we believe that? We all say yes, right? But do you really believe that? See, because this is what happened for me. I'm reading this, and I've been studying this for months. I'm getting ready for the series, and I'm all excited. And I write down, you have everything you need, right? And then I'm like, okay, do I really believe this? And my next thought is, no. Why? Because if I really believe that I have everything I need in Christ, then why do I worry? Why do I freak out? Why do I get myself frazzled? Why do politics make me nuts? And why does this thing get me all aggravated? And why do I get crying my coffee when my favorite sports team loses their game? And why do I get myself all worked up if 
in Jesus, I actually have everything that I need. What do I worry about tomorrow? But again, God is interested in experiential knowledge. And so when I notice myself getting worried about finances or getting worried about this or getting worried about that, this is now the area that God wants to work in my life because here it says that I have everything that I need for life in Christ. That there is in Jesus an inexhaustible well of wisdom on how I ought to live if I am willing to dwell there. Now, it's kind of beautiful, isn't it? You have everything that you need. Everything is there for you in Jesus. Now, what's also powerful here, notice all of this is through the knowledge of him, that experiential knowledge, who called us by glory and by virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world through us. See, what this teaches us is this, is that Because of our faith in Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God is entrusting us. We become partakers in the divine nature. This is what God is interested in. God is not interested in translating who you are before you get saved and then just putting some Jesus on top of it. But he's interested in transforming us from who we were before Christ that we might become people who share in, has been bestowed the gift of God's very nature. God wants to transform us. But what's going on today is too many of us are being willing to say, this is who I was before I came to Christ. And I just put a little Jesus on top, but I'm still exactly the same person. I've just translated my personality. I was outside Christ, I'm inside. That's not what God is doing. God wants to transform our lives. That's what he wants to do. And in Christ, everything that you need. See, God wants to make each one of us like him. And one of the ways we do that is by realizing who we are. And then because we know who we are, we begin to escape the corruption that's in this world through lust. But what goes on is we live in this world and we're constantly being bombarded by the ideas of this world. And if we're not careful, we are just translating who we are. We still live in a world of corruption. We still live in a world of lust, but we never realize that actually we've escaped from there. And we don't have to follow these ways anymore. You have everything that you need in Jesus. Do you believe that? That's what he's promising here. We have everything that we need. Now from there, notice what happens in verse Five, it says this, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is beautiful because really what we learn here is that fruitfulness is key. Fruitfulness is key. What God is interested is making our lives fruitful. Now, I get that from verse 8. Notice what it says. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful. You think of someone who's barren, a woman who's not able to bear children. The idea is the fruit of their womb, it's not blossoming at this time. So what God is interested in is that there be fruitfulness from our lives. But here's the question. Is your life fruitful? Because if you've been around at all, you realize that no matter how long someone has been in Christ, there's lots of Christians who know the Lord in salvation but lack any fruit. 
Maybe you've been in the church for 20 years, but you're really not a lot different than you were 20 years ago. You just know a couple more Bible verses. And that's a problem, isn't it? But God wants us to be fruitful. Now, what I think is fascinating here, if you notice this little symphony of grace, all these different ideas, we notice that it moves from faith and there's a progression from faith to love. And I think that's the key. You want a path for fruitfulness? God wants to move you from the day you put your faith and trust in Jesus to love, self-sacrificial love. And love is the only marker of your fruitfulness. I have a friend, an interesting guy, who's been going through, young guy, all sorts of health problems. And I was texting him, like, bro, how are you doing? I've been praying for you. And he said, Daniel, and literally he's a young guy, surgery, cancer. I mean, it's just really rough. And he said, well, what I'm learning is that life is precious and love is the point. That's what I'm learning. Young guy, young family, life is precious and love is the point. And he's absolutely right. Because our Bibles teach us that God wants to move all of us from faith when we say yes to Jesus to self-sacrificial love that we be like Jesus. And in order to get from faith to love, there's a number of steps that happen. And I want to go through these different steps. And what I believe will happen is that if you're one of those people who are saying, my life really isn't that fruitful, somewhere along this pathway, you're falling off the path. For some of us, it might be, I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus. Well, that's where it has to start. But God wants to move us from when we put our faith and trust in Jesus until we hit the point of fruitfulness where we love as Jesus loves. Because he's interested in transformation, not just translation. Well, I put my faith in Jesus, but I don't really love Democrats. I don't really love Republicans. I don't really love people who like the Golden State Warriors or wherever. You know what I mean? (laughs) Notice, add to your faith virtue. Now, that word virtue is the Greek word arete, which literally means moral excellency. The idea of virtue or goodness, it means to live in such a way that you are actually responding to the faith that you have. See, don't ever miss for one second that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, because Jesus is righteous, when we respond to Jesus, there is a moral way that we ought to live. Everybody has morality. It's just a matter of where is your morality being generated from? Now, in our day and age, morality is either generated from, I consider myself in America either liberal or Democrat or some shade between that. But if you're a Christian, you derive your morality from the death and resurrection of Jesus. You can throw both sides out the window. You have all that you need in Christ. That doesn't mean you won't fall in certain areas in certain of those camps. But you don't need either one of those sides because you have everything you need in Christ. And because of who Jesus is, we respond by living in such a way that the Bible would call goodness or arete. It's a sense of moral excellence. Are you allowing your faith to transform the way that you look at the world? It needs to. Jesus is God wants your life to be fruitful. You can go through the motions, do all the things you're supposed to do, but not really be that different from who you were when you began following Jesus. Today, Pastor Daniel explained that God's goal is to transform you from the inside out so that you love self-sacrificially, just like Jesus. This is the true marker of fruitfulness in your life. And this is what God wants to birth in you as you walk with Him. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you 
you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue looking at how to foster fruitfulness in your life. He'll walk you through the steps toward fruitfulness laid out in this passage. You'll see how it all starts with faith. As you let faith change how you live, it produces goodness, which gives you experiential knowledge of God's truths and His love for you. This progresses on and on as you become a person who loves like Jesus. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Truth and Lies. Until then, may God bless.